Welcome to the Slump Buster Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports. Today, Drew and I talk about NFL Week 6, some bi-week situations to monitor, and some of the week's biggest injuries, including Russell Wilson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But before we do that, folks, it's time to give a shout out to our partners. Caveman Coffee Co. Caveman is a fantastic single source, single origin goodness from a company with impeccable taste and ethics. The people behind it are beautiful souls, and the coffee is delicious fuel for the never-ending quest to do better, be better, love harder, and enjoy deeper. Guys, I tell you, their nitro cold brew is the perfect blend of energy and refreshment in the morning. Great way to start the day. But why stop there? They have their mammoth blends, which I highly encourage you getting. They have their hibiscus teas, which are delicious. And guys, if you use our promo code slump, you get 15% off your next purchase of any of these fantastic products. Kmancoffeeco.com, promo code slump. Guys, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump and get yourself a case today. All right, y'all, it's time for the episode. Juju Talk Sports, Drew Hagenbaugh. Let's get it. Let's bust the slump and let's enjoy. All right, Drew. I am coming off the most intense, several heart attack performance by my Giants yet. So this is going to be a hard podcast actually for me to do. I have to come down off kind of like that adrenaline rush that just came to me in the ninth inning. You have a rookie closer going the eighth and ninth inning. Just insanity. I didn't even watch the Monday Night Football game. Full disclosure to the listeners there. Playoff baseball has been so damn intense. Maybe it's because I'm a guy a little bit biased. My team's in it. I see you're actually rocking the baseball jersey tonight. Were you happen to watching the game or what was going on there? I was kind of flipping back and forth between the Giants game and the uh, Monday night football game while both I was at work, obviously. So, you know, me working very, very hard here. (laughs) (laughs) Your bosses didn't hear that, by the way. At least I hope they didn't. But (laughs) but no, I I think the baseball playoffs have been so good these past few days. And I've just been keeping my eye on them, even though the Indians, well, aka now the Guardians, are not (laughs) involved in the playoffs. It's still very fun to watch. And tonight's game was one of those games where it was very, very exciting and very, at least for you, nail biting. (laughs) Yeah, you had a bit of a nail biter this past Sunday as your Cleveland Browns went against the Chargers. I know you were a little bit salty about that one. You even snapped at Eris in our group chat, our slump buster group chat. So I gotta hear, I gotta hear you expound upon us all your grief from that game there. Go ahead. Free take. Go for it. Listen, to Eris and to everybody, I have no disrespect to the Chargers, okay? In my opinion, that could be an absolute preview of the AFC Championship game. It could be. But also, too, you had two blown calls, number one. I mean, how is that a defensive pass interference on A.J. Green when Mike Williams is the one grabbing your jersey and you're not doing anything to him? Now everyone's like, well, go back a few frames. You'll see that he was holding on to Mike Williams. Okay, so so what? They're both fighting for the ball. Then at that point, it should be no penalty call on either and the play is dead and it's turnover on downs i don't think there should be a penalty call period there and then you have the one where jc Trader was called for holding but yet he was the one who's getting his throat stuck up like this and it's like wait a minute he's the one who's getting this neck rained out by the other dude that's not an offensive holding that's more of a defensive holding and i'm gonna kill you <laughs> i mean all in all i mean it was a great back and forth game like i enjoyed it it was very high intense and everyone wanted to shoot out we got a shootout and like i said 
this absolute preview now i'm still up in air of what the hell happened towards the end with the hail mary because i looked like njoku got straight up just tackled in the end zone while the ball was coming down i was like okay that could have been easily defensive pass interference (laughs) the ball could have been spotted at the one yard line but you know it's the browns that will never be called ever in existence but then again to you look at the replay if rashard higgins was actually focused on the ball and not what happened in njoku if he would just stuck his hands out he could have had the ball in his hands so i mean that could have happened as well yeah you had three guys right around that area i was like i think in theory the browns should have caught that one that's my message directly to the group chat afterwards because yeah you had the guys in the area at least so baker gave you a chance there i will say that yeah he did give us a chance but like i said if you looked at higgins he stopped looking at the ball as soon as he saw njoku go down and if he kept his eye on the ball he all he had to do was just stick his hands out and the ball is right in his arms and he could have easily just made that catch but i mean i guess you could say they're looking for defensive pass interference which i i guess there was because like i said njoku just pretty much just got straight up tackled at the one yard line i was like if he didn't get tackled he was right there too it could have caught the ball easily it's whatever it's only the fifth game of the season you know there's still you know 11 more games 12 more games left to go so i'm not too down about it like i said this could be an asc championship preview of what's to come if it makes you feel better i'm not going to completely tank the browns in my power rankings this week so at least there's that I think that's as good a transition as we could get, though, talking about that Browns-Chargers game into talking about the quarterback position because Mm -hmm. our number one quarterback of the week is Justin Herbert with 42 fantasy points this weekend, 398 yards, four touchdowns in that crazy game. He also had a rushing touchdown, so five touchdowns altogether. Huge fantasy performance by Justin Herbert. Mm -hmm. Just edging out Lamar Jackson in overtime. It's a shame I didn't get to watch more of this Monday night game because it looks like it was a crazy one. Lamar, 442 yards and four touchdowns. So if you're a critic that says Lamar can't throw, well, he did throw a lot on the Indianapolis defense tonight. He also chipped in 62 yards on the ground. Right behind them at number three, Tom Brady with five touchdowns and 411 yards of his own, just improving on his MVP campaign at age 45 or whatever he is at this point. (laughs) Josh Allen, a lot of great quarterback performances this week. Josh Allen against the Chiefs, 315 yards, three touchdowns, 59 yards on the ground, and a rushing touchdown to add. And then Jameis Winston. So his first big day of the season, really. I know he had the five touchdown game in week one, but he's been awfully quiet in the recent weeks. He had yet to throw over 150 yards, I believe, through four weeks. And in week five, number five quarterback, 279 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, 26 yards on the ground on six attempts for Jameis Winston. At number six, so here's a huge surprise. Davis Mills, 312 yards and three touchdowns. Only one rush for two yards, but three touchdowns for Davis Mills against a New England Patriots defense. I bet Bill Belichick was great against rookie Hubies, but against Davis Mills, I guess not. Baker Mayfield, your guy at seven, 305 yards, two touchdowns. Only eight yards on the ground for Baker, but a solid fantasy day for Baker. He's been kind of more of a mid-range quarterback too, but to be in the quarterback seven range, good day for Baker, good game against the Los Angeles Chargers. At number eight, this guy just never leaves the top 12 and he has been one of the bigger fantasy stills of the year. Jalen Hurts, 198 yards and an interception. So no passing touchdowns on the day, but he chipped in two rushing scores and had 30 yards. So that just tells you that Hurts just has that good fantasy floor that's always going to keep him relevant, even on his bad days. Carson Wentz at nine, his first appearance in the top 12 this year, 402 yards and two touchdowns. So part of that back and forth performance against the Ravens, I did see the Colts had a huge lead in that game too. So that is a little bit of a disappointment, but it tells you Wentz was able to jump out fast 
pass on them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he bounces back next week against the Texans. That might be a decent streaming option there. Trevor Lawrence, this is a guy I actually like next week against the Dolphins, but against week five, 273 yards, a touchdown and interception. He had 28 yards on the ground and a rushing score. So Trevor Lawrence finishes within the top 10. Number 11 is going to be Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan is actually in a bye week. So we get to talk bye weeks on this episode too. Uh, Matt Ryan, 342 yards, two touchdowns, negative one yard on the ground because that is Matt Ryan's forte. Coming back from London. So if you're wondering why your uh, New York Jets or your Atlanta Falcons players aren't in, it's because they're coming back from London. Got to get readjusted to the American soil here. And rounding out the top 12, Dak Prescott, 302 yards, three touchdowns, interception, six yards on the ground. But I think the most important thing for Dak Prescott is he didn't get hurt in that insane Giants-Cowboys game where it just seemed like everyone is dropping left and right. All right, Drew, let's go through this together. Let's talk about Jameis Winston a little bit here. So Jameis Winston, I've been kind of curious about him throughout the year. So obviously coming into the season, I had high hopes for him. High power New Orleans Saints offense. I thought he was a better version of what Drew Brees was last year. But it seemed like Sean Payton had a real plan to limit the passing attack this year so as to perhaps limit Jameis Winston's capability to make a mistake. But when the guy's on, he's on. Uh, Michael Thomas is maybe about a couple weeks from coming off PUP, which is going to be a huge boost to the offense. Jameis Winston, is this a guy that should be rostered for the rest of the season in hopes that he maybe pops off? I think so. I think you can definitely keep him on your bench just to see for at least like a, a couple weeks just to see how he performs. Because when, like you said, once he's hot, he's pretty hot. But also too, again, I said this early on, just when the season started, it is Jameis Winston. We all have to remember that Jameis Winston does make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I don't think it really matters who his head coach is, who's around him. It's just Jameis in his own mind. He just makes those poor mistakes. But he's a guy that you could definitely go grab and just kind of keep him on your bench and just see how he does for a couple weeks if he starts to perform maybe once the quarterback has a bye week he's the guy you insert and you know he might have a great day let's talk about your guy next baker mayfield so finishing within the top seven next week they're at home against arizona who's been a good defense baker mayfield where would you rank him more or less I wouldn't say in the top 12, just for the fact that he is a very mid-range QB2 quarterback. And he's never really been one of those guys who's actually been a fantasy type quarterback anyways. And that's perfectly okay. So for me, especially against an Arizona Cardinals defense, he's more of like, if you're in a super flex league, he might be a super flex quarterback that you just kind of insert just to have that extra QB in there. But in my opinion, I don't think he is a QB12 or anywhere near that top 12 quarterback range. Okay, I mentioned him on my waiver breakdown here but Trevor Lawrence is going to be in London I should mention the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars so both our Florida teams well two of three of our Florida teams will be in London this week are you trusting him against this Miami Dolphins defense that just allowed five passing touchdowns to Tom Brady yes it's Tom Brady of course but I kind of have a low-end streaming appeal to Trevor Lawrence what about you where do you have Trevor against Miami I'm with you. I mean, I got a pretty low-end streaming appeal to him as well. Uh, I think he could be really good against his Miami defense. Um, He looked very good against Cincinnati. He also looked very good again this weekend, and I think he can look good again against Miami. Miami's defense was kind of one of those defenses where everyone had good hope, like Washington, who had good hopes, but really haven't showed out too much. And so I I think this could be a a good day for Trevor Lawrence. Now, the question we have to ask is, you know, he's going to a, a completely different atmosphere. I mean, he's going across the pond into London so the atmosphere isn't really going to be the same as if you're in Jacksonville or anywhere else in the United States because you know everyone there doesn't really watch our kind of football (laughs) but it'll be a different feel for him so maybe the adjustment 
might get to him in this game, but I, I think he'll be just fine. You either have two possibilities when a player like Trevor Lawrence is in London. It could be you wake up and he has 40 fantasy points, or you wake up and he has two interceptions like Jameis Winston. True or false, Joe Burrow, who finishes quarterback 16 on the week, will be a top 10 fantasy QB this week against Detroit. True. Okay, holding you to that. I will be keeping an eye on your rankings this week, my friend. I definitely think he'll be top 10. I mean, Cincinnati has been my biggest surprise team so far this season. They've been playing extremely well. So especially against Green Bay, which I don't think (laughs) anyone could have predicted the outcome of five missed field goals before someone eventually makes one. But it was a it was a win for Cincinnati. If again they just could convert on a field goal. <laughs> okay, light note to Brighton. Anyone who owns Patrick Mahomes Day, yes, he finished outside the top twelve. But Patrick Mahomes next week will go against the Washington Football Team. So if you're hoping for a quarterback one next week, a quarterback one performance, Patrick Mahomes certainly has a great chance to do it. Equally, I mentioned a streamer option here, Taylor Heineke. Let's face it, this Chiefs defense—they're bad, right? Taylor Heineke. I'm telling you, Taylor Heineke, true or false, will be a top 12 QB on the week. I would say true, honestly, because this Chiefs defense is not good. And, you know, they're two and three for a reason. Yeah, you can score 20, 30 points a game. But when you're giving up 32 and a half points a game, you're not going to win very many games yourself, even though you can score just as much. I mean, great example. Look at the Browns and Chargers game. Both have pretty solid defenses. But when the Browns practice squad is playing defense because half our defense is out injured. I mean, you know that feeling as a 49ers fan. It was a high powered game. I mean, a game finished, what, 47? seven to 45 or 42 so I mean it was a very high scoring game but for me it's the Chiefs defense that if they don't make the playoffs or they continue to struggle all season long it's going to be heavy on that defense yeah they fixed the offensive line issues but they did nothing to fix that defense and that's the main reason why they actually lost the Super Bowl (laughs) I don't know man it's I think Taylor Heineke could easily be a top 12 quarterback this week okay Matthew Stafford where is your level of concern with him because he finishes quarterback 17 on the week uh next week they go against the new york giants on the road one being not worried at all to five mm-hmm. being very worried where are you on matthew staff i would say two i'm not overly too concerned on him obviously every quarterback's gonna have those bad games every once in a while uh, and he just had one of those bad games but it's still matthew stafford because i've always said this about about him he could have a bad game but still throw over 300 yards and look like he's been insanely effective <laughs> so I, I like Matthew Stafford especially this week going against the Giants but I, I think he could be obviously if Matthew Stafford plays like Matthew Stafford he could easily be within the top 10 this week Okay, what about Aaron Rodgers? We talked about him last week because he's outside of the top 12 quarterbacks on the year mm-hmm. as is. Finishes quarterback 13, so just outside of it this past week against Cincinnati, right. but goes on the road against Chicago. One of five on Aaron Rodgers. I would say three, kind of like right in the middle of the road, just for the fact that he is outside of the QB 12 range. But it seems like, yeah, I don't know. Against Cincinnati, he looked very shaky for some reason. Now, I know he looks like he had a great performance and Devontae Adams had over, what, almost 200 receiving yards to finish the day. Uh, that really doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, a lot of those were just Devontae Adams himself just going for big runs after the catch. So I can see because Chicago's a little bit tougher of a defense than Cincinnati is because they do have a very good pass rush. I guess it all depends on how well the offensive line holds to Aaron Rodgers because if guys like Khalil Mack get to him and Roquan Smith and all those guys, it could be a, quite a long day. The only 
downside to Chicago is you just have a terrible offense. Okay, what about Kyler Murray? Now, Kyler Murray against the Niners, he had a little bit of a bicep injury. Uh, at least was getting worked out on the bench. Obviously had a miserable fantasy day. Kyler Murray on the week finished as your quarterback 22. This week, he goes on the road to face your Browns. And the Browns, obviously, they had a rough day, a miserable day defensively against Justin Herbert. But overall on the year, they've been pretty solid. Kyler Murray, next week, level of concern, one of five. If we're giving halves, I'd probably say a three and a half. Okay, Just so because- a little bit more than Rodgers, a little bit more than Stafford. Okay, so Kyler Murray is the one you're the most worried about out of that trio. And it's just because of his injury. That bicep injury could prove to be somewhat significant. It depends on how he feels all week. And it depends on if the Browns defense gets healthy this week. Because, again, we're missing guys like Denzel Ward, who was out missing. And we're just missing other key pieces. I mean, Miles Garrett was playing completely injured. And he was coming off shaking a lot after some plays and stuff like that. So we had some big injuries on defense. And if everyone can come back healthy, I mean, they're all questionable anyways to begin with. So if they can come back healthy this week. The Browns, again, they have the third best defense in the NFL ranked so far. Kyler Murray could have a very long day against one of the best NFL defenses. Okay, we mentioned that Jameis Winston is possible stash candidate. Before we move to running backs, I'm just going to go over real quick the bye weeks again. So Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance will both be off. Jameis Winston will be off. Zach Wilson and Matt Ryan. So not a lot of heavily owned guys in terms of the quarterback position. Mm -hmm. So if you have a quarterback on bye week, that's not really much of a concern. Still look out for any streaming options available in your league. Let's move into running backs. Running back one on the week. This guy has been pretty consistently running back one, running back two. He's been elite. He's been everything you wanted out of your first round draft pick. Derrick Henry, 130 yards, three touchdowns against Jacksonville. It's still like anytime that Jacksonville game's on the schedule, Derrick Henry's eyes just brighten up a little bit because he just runs over those guys. Derrick Henry's a monster, never coming out of your lineup. No need talking about it. But you know one guy that I didn't mention last week? You know I said Jonathan Taylor is coming into a great stretch in his schedule? Well, he took advantage in the first part of it because a 53 yards run rushing one touchdown three receptions 116 yards and a touchdown so two touchdowns on the day for Jonathan Taylor running back two on the week with 30 fantasy points and half point PPR Austin Eckler another huge day this guy again is consistent as they come 66 yards to the ground two touchdowns he did have a fumble for a loss but moving past that five receptions for 53 yards and another touchdown three touchdowns on the day to break Andrew Hagenbaugh's heart you know what really breaks my heart though I dropped this guy Miles Gaskin I told him to hit the road in one of my leagues. And then he comes out of nowhere, has 10 receptions, 74 yards, two touchdowns, only 25 yards on the ground. So not really a big running threat, which is peculiar, but at least he's gained the passing game, which Malcolm Brown is really just a thorn in his side more than anything, a more of a problem for Miles Gaskin. I'm just curious to see if this level of performance keeps up with Miles Gaskin. We'll get into him. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a little bit. Alvin Kamara at five. So Alvin Kamara is back up there in the top five, 71 yards and a touchdown, five receptions. 51 yards and a touchdown to two scores on the day out for Alvin Kamara. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, not a bust this year. 110 yards and a touchdown, two receptions, two yards, and a touchdown. Nick Chubb, 161 yards and a touchdown, one reception for nine yards. This was a great matchup for Nick Chubb uh, going against that Chargers defense. They were lining over 150 rushing yards per game. So that made a lot of sense because at number eight, you also have Kareem Hunt, 61 yards, two touchdowns, five receptions, 28 yards. If you had a Cleveland Browns running back, run him up against the Chargers. In fact, moving forward, if you see the Chargers going against any of your running backs, that's the matchup you have to exploit because they have proven they have no ability to stop the team's rushing 
attack. Alexander Madison uh, filling in another week for Delvin Cook, 113 yards, had a fumble for a loss, seven receptions, 40 yards, and a touchdown, seven receptions. You love to hear that number. James Robinson uh, getting more and more involved. Carlos Hyde is just becoming a non-factor in this offense. You have to love that. I know there's been a lot of controversy with Urban Meyer, but he's finally starting to use James Robinson and fantasy owners are reaping the rewards. 149 yards and a touchdown, one reception for two yards. Right behind him, Najee Harris, 122 yards on the ground and a touchdown, two receptions for 20 yards. Not as involved on passing downs as he has been in previous weeks, but Najee continues to be a running back one on the year. Uh, The only thing that I am worried about, he did have a little bit of cramping issue shouldn't be a big factor going into next week but it is something to monitor on the injury reports as you look Antonio Gibson at number 12 rounding it out 20 attempts for 60 yards so you don't love that average yards per carry two touchdowns though at least so that saved his fantasy day two receptions 12 yards and that rounds out your top 12 I guess let's get into this guy Miles Gaskin are you trusting him let's do the one to five trust game here how much do you trust Miles Gaskin considering he had a top four performance this week but was unusable the previous four weeks a four and a half because the first four weeks he was just non-existent and probably around what running back like 30s if not close to 40s so (laughs) probably even worse so just because of one solid week it doesn't seem like he's getting the work or doing the work at this point so I I definitely don't really trust him that much would this be a guy that you'd be looking to trade coming off like a huge week or do you want to hold him potentially and see what he can do rest of the year if this is your fantasy team what are you trying to do I might be looking to get someone else at this point just to try and at least not, at least get something out of them okay let's let's talk about other guys here Antonio Gibson I know a lot of people were concerned about him earlier in the year uh, goes against Kansas City next week that is a good matchup there so if you worry about should I fire up Antonio Gibson this week might be a good week to start him Samaje P Ryan at 17 actually is someone I'd be curious to get your thoughts on he went on the COVID list earlier this week but you know he's doing it on a Monday so that does give you a little bit more optimism heading into the weekend we've seen a lot of guys usually about three, four days, more or less. Samaje Piran and Joe Mixon, how are you playing this backfield moving forward? Do you think Samaje still has flex potential even with Joe Mixon? Because it seemed like to be a pretty even split there. Yeah, I mean, I think you could throw him into a flex because of the split carries that they're both getting. Joe Mixon is looking solid so far. I would say he's looking completely spectacular. But also, too, they're giving a lot of playing to uh, Samaje Ryan, And I think you could definitely use him as a flex option if you really have no one else to put there. I, I think Ryan's a good solid flex option. I know you were down on this guy last week, Damian Williams. Uh, he had that quad issue, I think, which probably discouraged you the most. But yeah. seeing what he did, he finished as the running back 20 on the week, 64 yards on the ground, 16 attempts, had two receptions, also a touchdown against the Raiders. Is this a guy that you actually trust in that running back two range uh, as long as David Montgomery is out? Oh, 100%. I mean, he, he's a good, solid running back, and he proved that while he was in Kansas City for a little while. And, you know, I like Damian Williams quite a bit. And, and as long as Damon Montgomery goes out, he, he's a good running back too. And like you said, just because he had that injury, that's why I had him pretty low in my rankings. But it seems like he didn't do too bad with that injury this past weekend. Okay, I'm going to ask you, what do you want to do with this Tampa Bay backfield? Are you trusting Leonard Fournette? Leonard Fournette did finish as a top 15 running back on the week, but most of the passing game went to Giovanni Bernard, who came back from injury. Uh, Gio finished as the running back 29. If you haven't already... Uh, 
uh, Ronald Jones, is he a straight cut? Yeah, Ronald Jones is completely out. As soon as Giovanni Bernard came in, he's going to get a lot of those receptions if Fournette's not in there. Okay, what about the Jets' backfield? Do you have any interest at all in these guys? Michael Carter finishes the running back 23 on the week. Obviously, the Jets are going to be on bye week. What percentage of your fab would you be willing to spend on Michael Carter? Because I've seen his name come up on the highly targeted list this week. It's it's extremely low. I I probably go no more than like five ten percent. Uh, Chris Carson was a late scratch. Are you concerned about that, Alex Collins? Where do you have him ranked if Chris Carson is out? That's a tough one because you know Chris Carson got scratched kind of late or it was, Ooh, it was we should mention game. this for quarterback news too Russell Wilson out yeah. six to eight weeks not to mention so that also affects Alex Collins or Chris Carson yeah it really does because Geno Smith is the one who's behind him and he came in and he didn't look all that great coming in so it, it could definitely affect Collins a lot he's definitely a guy I really wouldn't be streaming Chris Carson's also another guy that I'm pretty concerned about let alone injury let alone just his play just hasn't been up to par of what we were expecting him to be. So Seattle backs, very, very concerning for me. Is Daryl Williams a top waiver priority this week with CEH potentially banged up? He could definitely be one of the top uh, waiver priorities because of Alaire's injury. Obviously, it's going to be a day-to-day for Alaire to see if he's good enough to go for this weekend, but I would definitely keep the backup in mind just in case. Okay, let's move into wide receivers on the week. I think that covers the running backs. Anyone to potentially mention before we move on? I got nobody else in mind. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the wide receiver one on the week, matching his QB one. Mike Williams finished with eight receptions, 165 yards, and two touchdowns. Mike Williams has just had a renaissance season mm-hmm. and is definitely coming at a great time for him because I believe this is his opportunity to truly get paid so Mike Williams I mean he's been one of the best all year long no worries about Mike Williams there Devontae Adams 11 receptions 206 yards and a touchdown just edged out by Mike Williams there and then at number three kind of a name that I know we kind of slept on him and kind of gave him hell but Marquise Hollywood Brown nine receptions 125 yards two touchdowns I think at this point I'm comfortable just saying that Marquise Brown is a low-end wide receiver one he's earned that at this point he yeah. consistently gets six receptions a week uh it doesn't seem like the rookie Rashad Bateman's really challenging him uh Marquise Brown playing on Hollywood at number four you have Antonio Brown seven receptions 124 yards and two touchdowns I I messed up I should have introduced him as Mr. Big Chest because he's playing at that elite level that we grew accustomed to with Antonio Brown back in the day at this point Antonio Brown's really never coming out of your lineup mostly because I don't think any of the Bucks receivers really come out of your lineup I, I think they have the potential to just have such elite performances you might miss on a week there might be a week where your guy isn't the guy but for the most part when they go off they go off and Antonio Brown wide receiver four in the week he went off right behind him though not to be outdone Mike Evans six receptions 113 yards and two touchdowns so Tampa Bay again they decimated the Miami Dolphins this week truly enforcing who is the best Florida team I guess Miami and Jacksonville are going to be fighting for who's the worst uh at number six you have Jamar Chase the rook six receptions 159 yards and a touchdown Jamar Chase we're gonna have to talk about him as he just Straight up wide receiver one. That is the question we got to answer. Kadarius Tony, 10 receptions, 189 yards, and widely available in a lot of leagues. Did get in a fight at the end of the game. So there is a potential suspension coming. But Kadarius Tony taking advantage of Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay being out. 
Hopefully Daniel Jones being out doesn't hurt him. DK Metcalf at wide receiver eight, five receptions, 98 yards and two touchdowns. Again, keep an eye on the Russell Wilson situation there. Marquez Callaway, your wide receiver nine on the week, 85 yards and two touchdowns on four receptions on bye week this week. At wide receiver 10, Chase Claypool, five receptions, 130 yards and a touchdown. 11, Cortland Sutton, seven receptions, 120 yards and a touchdown. And at number 12, wow, okay. Back from the dead, Robert Woods, 12 receptions, 150 yards. <laughs> fantasy relevant day I, I think many people might even have cut at woods at this point robert woods out of nowhere okay let's let's talk about this one um actually let's start here where are you ranking dk and tyler lockett with russell wilson out of the lineup i've probably put them out of the 12 honestly because for me it's just very concerning with geno smith in the lineup but like i said depending on how geno smith plays is oh how everyone else plays if he plays poorly then metcalf and Lockett are gonna have very bad days so unless geno smith just decides to shut us all up and go for you know 300 passing yards and four touchdowns and just goes off and it's like okay i might have a little more faith in you a little bit but other than that i i have to put them out of the 12 just for the fact that their quarterback situation isn't the greatest now maybe dk could be a slight you know maybe like a flex option or like a wide receiver three because obviously he can get the ball in short spaces and make something out of them but he's probably the only one i would have in a lineup because tyra Lockett is at this point touchdown dependent unless he catches you know 350 yard bombs and gets away with it but with geno smith that's really not going to happen too much he did play well coming out of that injury. I will say that much for Geno yeah. Smith, but it's been a long time since we saw Geno Smith as a full-time starter. So I, I agree with you. We have to see it at least one week. If he proves that he still has, I don't know, that first round pedigree that got him drafted out of West Virginia back in the day, maybe, you know, he could keep these guys relevant. He did seem to like DK. So there is that if you're a DK owner, I would say. Yeah. He, he knows how to target the big guy. That's the important thing when you see a backup quarterback I, come in. I think- the only player you really wouldn't start would be Tyler Lockett. Let's talk about uh, what's going on with Kadarius Tony. Now, obviously a huge game there. He was a first round pick this year. I know a lot of people rolled their eyes when he was drafted mm-hmm. in the first round, but he is a dynamic playmaker coming out of the University of Florida there. Everyone said that he had the athleticism and the skill to be a first rounder. Just the character concerns were an issue with him. And obviously he got gets in the fight this week, may potentially get suspended. Nothing's been handed down yet, but when you throw a punch and a very visible punch at that, that's what usually gets you suspended, at least for a game or two. And Joe judge definitely gave him an earful but even with that said just banked on the talent banked on what he can do 10 receptions on 13 targets what percentage of fab would you use on Kadarius Tony? I would say 30%. The last couple of games, he's been getting a very good target share. Uh, he was targeted nine times last game. He was targeted 13 this game. So he he's getting the targets that he needs and has been wanting. And he's making some solid use of it. I mean, when he got the nine targets, and I believe he had seven catches of those nine targets, he finished with like 60-something yards and had a solid performance. And then this week, obviously, had another great performance uh, after getting, like you said, 10 10 catches off of or 12 receptions. So uh, another decent day for Kadarius Toney. But uh, again, his attitude got out of hand and could be suspended for a couple games here. So uh, you might want to hold back on it for a second. Are you giving a boost to the Steelers wide receivers heading into future weeks? Uh, More specifically, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. Chase Claypool finishes wide receiver 10, whereas Deontay finishes wide receiver 20. And why I say that is because Juju Smith-Schuster looks like he's done for the year. 
So what do you make of the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver situation and where do you have these guys ranked respectively? Chase Claypool would hover around maybe the top 12 to 15 range because he's more or less going to be Ben's primary target uh, because he is a young player and he's been very, very good uh, last year and he's been pretty good this year. So I will see Claypool's numbers go up and uh, Deontay Johnson, he could probably hover within the top 15 or maybe where he's at in the top 20. So both get good volume targets and I wouldn't be surprised if even more touches went to Najee Harris as well because he's very good in the passing game as well so uh, you might see some of those targets go to Najee. All right let's similar like we were talking about with Miles Gaskin we have to talk about Robert Woods this week so he finished again as wide receiver 12. Is this a guy that you are open to trusting again because you have to remember he was outside the wide receiver 40 range the previous four weeks. Uh, it's going to be back and forth for Robert Woods. I mean, I know last week we talked about potentially dropping him and cutting him from lineups and stuff like that, or even just straight up benching him. And you know what? For some reason, during the week after the podcast, I thought into the back of my head, you know, I only have him in one of my leagues. Maybe I might just keep him in just to see how he does. I kept him in and lo and behold, <laughs> He just goes off for no reason. And so smart decision on my part to keep him in the game or keep him in the lineup. But I have a feeling that this could be a back and forth affair with Robert Woods. You you might get a week or two where he's very high and doing really well. And then you might get those string of a few weeks where he's just, you know, another outcast. So I guess it's one of those things where you just have to kind of keep watching him, watching him week by week just to see what he does or to see if there's any kind of consistency going throughout the season. How high do you have Jamar Chase ranked this week going against Detroit? A lot higher than what I had him last week, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's going to be a phenomenal uh, – at least he's going to have a phenomenal game against Detroit, or at least he should. With the way that uh, Joe Burrow has been playing, the Cincinnati Bengals team has been playing, he should play very well against Detroit if he did this well against Green Bay. <laughs> Yeah, it was important to note that Jair Alexander suffered an injury during the week. Okay, let's talk about another situation. I want you to rank these guys against each other. Rondell Moore, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk. How do they stack up um, against each other? Oh, man. So I'd probably go A.J. Green and then Rondell Moore and then Christian Kirk. Really? I'm completely opposed to you. I have Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. Really? Well, the reason I would say that is I feel Christian Kirk has a higher percentage of the target share than the other two guys. I feel with Rondell, you're really just looking for the big play. And A.J. Green, he's just behind Christian Kirk in terms of receptions, but he does have high end zone potential. You do see the Cardinals favoring him there. So I do see the Cardinals favoring him more towards the end zone and stuff like that because he is a big body and a big guy who can get the ball in the end zone. Christian Kurt, I don't know why, but I think just after the last season in these few games, I kind of fell off on him a little bit. But, you know, he is one of those guys who does get like those sneaky good games. And it's like, okay, we're kind of sleeping on Christian Kirk a little bit. And, you know, maybe that's just my kind of thinking right now. Maybe I'm just kind of sleeping on him a little bit. But I think as time goes on, I think I'll start to be more higher on him. And like you said, Rondell Morris is kind of like, you know, like a Henry Ruggs or, you know, some of these speedsters where it's just he you kind of hope for that big deep play and, you know, see if he gets one of those types of opportunities. But it's going to be kind of hard to with A.J. Green, Christian Kirk. Uh, you also have Andy Isabella in there as well. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins takes 99.9% of those touches away from everybody else. So for me, 
I guess that's why I rate Christian Kirk a little bit lower. But I mean, I guess being him being undervalued is good for other people because that just means pick him up and he's going to play very well. Okay, uh, Stefan Diggs, level of concern, one to five, finishes wide receiver 41 on the week, had five targets, two receptions, 69 yards. So the yards up there, but two receptions. And then Manuel Sanders, meanwhile, finished as the wide receiver 14 on the week, three receptions, 54 yards, and two touchdowns. One to five, level of concern on Stefan Diggs. I would probably go towards a four with Stefan Diggs. I mean, I haven't heard his name much at all this season. And, you know, normally every week you hear Stefan Diggs consistently in this top 12. And it's kind of odd because he's maybe, what, cracked the top 12, I think, what, once so far this season? And other than that, he's been mid-20s to low-40s. And, you know, we all thought that they had um, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs had this big connection, which they do. They have a great connection. But it's for some reason, it looks like they haven't been connecting very well at all. And it looks like he, uh, Josh Allen is connecting more with Emmanuel Sanders a lot better than he is Stefan Diggs right now. And so I have Emmanuel Sanders, too. And, you know, I've been inserting him in a lot of my lineups or at least finding him and trying to insert him into some lineups because at this point, it looks like he's the one who's getting the targets and he's the one getting the touchdowns. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I would say this is a great opportunity to buy low on him, if anything, mm-hmm. because his value, I, I don't think it could be any lower at this point. I, I think yeah. the upside is still there because you are still seeing the passing volume in this Bills offense. Um, the only thing that's discouraging is the fact that in a game in which they were handling the Chiefs, he only had five targets. You'd like to see that up there for the wide receiver one. And I, I think it might be a second evolution of this Bills offense. The fact that they went out there, they signed Emmanuel Sanders, a savvy veteran. Cole Beasley is, still has his entrenched spot in the lineup. Uh, I think now Josh Allen's getting to the point where he's able to spread the ball around a little bit more, making that evolution as a passer. And he's not being as dependent on Stefan Diggs. And I, I think a thing too with Stefan coming into the year is he did come in with an injury. I can't remember the injury at this time, but he did have offseason surgery. And it's curious to think that maybe that might be affecting his play. Like I said, I, I think it's a great opportunity to buy low on him, but mm-hmm. I am concerned. I am up there with concern on that as well. Another guy too, to be concerned about AJ Brown currently finishes the wide receiver 64. What are you doing with AJ? At this point, I think it's just best to sit him for right now or maybe throw him into a flex position. Plays the Bills this week. Yeah, I mean, playing against the Bills, you might have to sit him this week because it's not so much A.J. Brown. It's so much that Tannehill hasn't looked good at all this season. And that's really affected him. And obviously, when Julio comes back, that's going to affect Julio as well. Because, you know, coming into the season, we all thought that adding Julio Jones, you know, he might suck up a couple of double teams and free up A.J. Brown quite a bit. And Tannehill just getting A.J. Brown open and open or even getting Julio. And A.J. Brown maybe drawing a couple of double teams here as well. But we saw just Ryan Tannehill struggle all season long now. I don't know if that's, you know, an offensive coordinator issue or play calling issue, but this Titans offense just hasn't looked the same as it has the last couple of years. And that's actually being very concerning for me too. Another guy who's struggling and has really struggled like all season long, Allen Robinson. Is it time mm-hmm. to cut Allen Robinson? I think it is time to cut Allen Robinson. And, and it's not so much a Justin Fields issue. It's just a Matt Nagy issue. I mean, Matt Nagy has done absolutely nothing to help his quarterback. He's done nothing to revamp this offense to fit around 
I, you know, Allen Robinson, Justin Fields. There's our three like and that. two, I should add here. <laughs> yeah, they are three and two, but a lot of that credit goes to the defense, though, because <laughs> the defense has kept them in a lot of these games. So that three and two is most likely chalked up to the defense more than anything else. And the, But the Bears were very lucky that Justin Fields' injury wasn't as serious as they thought it was, because if they lost Justin Fields, then you might as well just cut everybody on the Bears at this point besides David Montgomery. <laughs> Because at this point, David Montgomery is going to be the one that's going to be the saving grace for that offense. With him being out, you got Damian Williams, who's got to be the saving grace for right now. Because Matt Nagy just killed this entire offense. And maybe he should join John Gruden as being a fired head coach because he should John be Gruden going to prison. resigned. Well, Gruden, add. yeah, Gruden, Gruden did resign. Yes, because of all the emails and stuff like that. But. I, I think Matt Nagy should be fired for murder, basically, because he's not doing any favors for that offense and his team. You know, the funny part about this, watch the Bears make the playoffs again, and then it becomes a question, wow, you're going to fire a coach who's been to the playoffs every single year he's been a head coach? Yeah, I mean, yeah, some teams aren't as lucky. Some teams don't make the playoffs. Browns fan, you should know that. <laughs> the last 18 years, no. <laughs> Someone should have gave you a Matt Nagy instead of a Freddie Kitchens, am I right? Oh, God. I, honestly, at that point, I would have taken Matt Nagy instead of take us to the playoffs. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good question to ask you, too. Is there any reason to own a Browns wide receiver at this point? Because even in a game where they put up a score in the 40s, none of the receivers finished above wide receiver 35. Are you just waiting for Jarvis Landry at this point? Hell, even cut Odell? I could say cut Odell because uh, the connection isn't there still between him and Baker. And that's been an actual concern with not only the fans here, but the media here talking about it as well in Cleveland, that is there at any point going to be connection at all this season? Now, don't get me wrong. You know, Odell has had issues with injuries and stuff like that. And they really haven't been able to play much together throughout the time that Odell's been here. So, and obviously last year you had Freddie Kitchens, so that, or well, two years ago you had Freddie Kitchens. So that really didn't help the case at all. But I, at this point, the only real reliable wide receiver one on this team is Jarvis Landry. And at this point, you're really just waiting for him to come back. And if you have Jarvis Landry, I mean, I'd keep him. And he's still a starter or at least a flex option because he will get a lot of those targets and he'll actually catch the football, uh, not drop him when it hits you square in the chest. <laughs> but I actually misspoke. Rashard Higgins finishes wide receiver 32, Donovan Peoples-Jones at 35. And then Odell's wide receiver 88 on the week against the Chargers. And for some reason, the best part about the Browns offense is when Odell is off the field. Because if you notice when Odell is off the field, Baker spreads the ball very well to his receivers. He spreads it well to Landry, Peoples, Higgins. If anything, Anthony Schwartz could get a lot involved too <laughs> if he's off the field. So, you know, I think with Odell off the field, you spread the ball a lot better. And, you know, then you can start adding guys like Higgins and Peoples-Jones because they start becoming more valuable. And started getting more of those targets. and But at this point, you cut Odell and you're waiting for Jarvis Landry to come back. And hopefully he comes back better than ever. Okay, let's just do a quick talk about tight ends here. One of the big things I just want to ask you is Kyle Pitts finished tight end three on the week. Nine receptions, 119 yards and a touchdown. Big breakout performance for him in London on a bye week this week. Is this a sell now opportunity for Kyle Pitts? Or is this someone you I actually think, want to keep? Uh, at this point... It looks like the only way Kyle Pitts is going to have a solid game is if they play a team like the Jets every week <laughs> because Matt Ryan and that offense just, again, just like the Bears, they just don't look good. The play style isn't there. 
he's more or less looking towards Calvin Ridley or Cordell Patterson as much as possible and not so much the way of Kyle Pitts. Now, yeah, Kyle Pitts had a great game, but this is his first great game all season long. So I think on the name alone, uh, you can get a good return for Kyle Pitts right now, but you would have to do it very, very soon because if you wait, you're not going to get much for him. Your top scoring tight end on the week will be Mark Andrews at 11 receptions, 147 yards and two touchdowns. Big day for Mark Andrews there. DSTs. Let's just talk about a couple streaming options here. Who would you prefer green Bay in Chicago or the Cowboys in new England? I'd take the Cowboys in New England. I like the cat with the way the Cowboys have been playing this season. Their defense has looked pretty good so far to start the season. Uh, against a rookie quarterback in Mac Jones, I think that they could do pretty well. And Trevon Diggs has been very, very good. And he's pretty much up there for defensive player of the year and maybe an MVP. Okay, let's just real quick review who's on bye week. I kind of fell asleep at the wheel here as far as like our wide receivers, running backs and tight ends here. <laughs> So as far as the running backs are concerned, of course, with the Falcons out, that means Mike Davis, you're not going to have any Cordell Patterson. The Jets, you don't want any of these guys, but you're not going to have Michael Carter. You're not going to have Ty Johnson on the field. As far as the Niners, I mean, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, Elijah Mitchell coming off injury. He looked like he had a little bit of juice. So that might be a guy that you're just going to have to sit on for a couple of weeks here. As far as the Saints, of course, Alvin Kamara out. So that definitely is one of those things that highly impacts your lineup. So look at our waiver wire video and hopefully you can find a name there that could kind of fit in place. As far as wide receivers are concerned, of course, Calvin Ridley, who you've missed out on him this week anyway, due to a personal issue that just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Aladdin misses a Diaz. You're probably not starting him either way. Jets wide receivers, of course, you know, Corey Davis is currently not, is not going to be available this week. As far as the Saints, Marquez Callaway, Deontay Harris, guys that you, you know, you're kind of struggling to decide on either way. And then the Niners, you are going to lose out on Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk if you are holding on to hope. Tight end wise, well, you're missing George Kittle anyway, because he just went on IR for the next three games minimum. So that's a disappointment there. Uh, especially if you drafted him high tight end wise for the Saints, Mike Troutman, Jawan Johnson, guys that you're just kind of scrounging for anyway. <laughs> uh, the Jets, I don't even know who the Jets tight end is actually this year. That's that's a good trivia question. And then speaking of Kyle Pitts, of course, uh, Kyle Pitts it will not be active this week if you were hoping to potentially trade him. So those are a couple names there. And no young way coup this week if you need to pick up a kicker. In fact, <laughs> yep, no Jets kicker, no young way coup. And of course, well, I don't even know, Robbie Gold's out too, so... No Joey Sly. No Joey Sly this week for you guys. Also, I may have your answer to your Jets tight end question. I think it's Chris Herndon is the tight end for the New York Jets. Is he still there? No, he, he might traded, be. But to the Vikings. I remember that one. That was offseason news. Oh, he did he really? To the Vikings because oh, they had man. to pick up someone with Irv Smith Jr. out for the year. Out. Okay, yeah, makes sense now. That one, that one snuck underneath me then. I don't even know who the Jets tight end is. Seriously, this is a very, I mean, I guess I just don't even need to know who the Jets tight end is if they, I really hey, can't think of it at this point. Gosh. That could be a trivia question for the Instagram. If you're listening to this at this point, if you're listening at this at the close to the hour mark here, drop in the comments. Who the hell is the Jets tight end? We really need to know this one. It is concerning. <laughs> I do not know this answer. All right. Well, you know, uh, leave a like on this video if, if you enjoyed this conversation to this point, if you enjoyed listening to our fantasy banner. If you're listening to this on iTunes, of course, you could do the same by leaving a five-star review. Who's any fantasy questions too in there? You know, we want to kind of like interact with you guys a little bit more as we go. Hit that subscribe button. Helps the channel, helps us hashtag bust the slump, helps us help you win your league. 
And check out our partner at CavemanCoffeeCo.com. Yes, CavemanCoffeeCo.com for some delicious cold brew coffee. Come on, don't be a chump. Use promo code SLUMP from Drew Talk Sports and Drew Hagenbaugh. You guys got to stay safe, happy, and healthy because we'll see you next time.